This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Well, now I have to say this has been a busy day. Busy, busy, busy. Over in Washington, D.C. early on Tuesday, uh, the uh, Congress, uh, excuse me, the Senate passed a, what, $1.2 trillion spending bill supposedly on infrastructure. It has to go back to the House to be passed, but I think eventually it will get through. Uh, but we don't really know what's in it. Probably half of it is actually for bridges and roads. The rest of it is a boondoggle. Almost 20, I think 18 or 19, or 18 or 19 uh, Republicans joined the Democrats. That just means everybody got their piece of the pie. Uh, go and do a search. You can see Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz making the best arguments about it. The most cynical part of this is when people People, the senators, um, Republicans voted to advance the bill and now vote against it. They try to think that they're grandstanding, so they're against it. But they already did the damage by allowing it to go forward. So anyway, that's um, that's happening. Massive spending, wasteful spending, boondoggle spending, lack of transparency spending, all terrible. Um, Meanwhile, early on Tuesday, I think about nine o'clock central time in the morning, Mike Lindell kicked off his cyber symposium in South Dakota, where he's going to spend almost two full days identifying what he's found in his massive analysis. And a lot of it he paid specialists and experts to do on the election 2020. The election was, excuse me, the Mike Lindell event was immediately hacked. And it was taken down by hackers. And then it was put back up and still is being hacked all day long. Uh, But more importantly, he's getting some attention to the issue which is probably the most important part of it. Well, around the same time that his event is starting, you end up with uh, a lawsuit who um, is a lawsuit where um, they, they sued, let's see, Patrick Byrne, One America News, Newsmax, and then a couple of reporters, Dominion sued them, Dominion, the election equipment company, for uh, over a billion dollars each. Another one of these lawsuits. Now, uh, this is very worrying, right? I think this is terrible. I mean, it's an extension of the lawfare. It's going to keep going on and on and on. And everybody says, oh, well, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe uh, Patrick Byrne and One America News can get uh, uh, get um, uh, discovery into Dominion. Yeah, right. You, you got to rely on the federal courts and rely on the, the court system to allow you to do that kind of stuff. And Dominion's going to have 20, 50, 100 lawyers and you're going to have one lawyer on the other side. I mean, you know, if you're if you're um, if you're Patrick Byrne, you're going to pay a good lawyer. Dominion's going to have 10, 20. It's really a disaster. OK, so that's another thing that happened. And then, of course, um, Andrew Cuomo resigned. Andrew Cuomo, who was targeted, he made a mess of the covid. He made a terrible mess of covid. And he um, then but then also he was targeted uh, a target of investigation. And the investigation revealed that there were not one, not two, not three, 11 women who said they were treated improperly by him. 11. So he finally resigned. And as someone said on Twitter, I think it was Jack Posobiec um, said, well, Gavin Newsom's next, meaning the two candidates for president in 2024 as Democrats that would be threatening to Kamala Harris or others were uh, uh, Andrew Cuomo, in part because he has a base of uh, operations and a base of a record, he would have been able to raise money. And Gavin Newsom, same thing, a record and a base of operations, base of fundraising. Well, um, uh, Cuomo's gone. Newsom might be next a month from now. So uh, an incredibly eventful day on Tuesday. But that's not the story I want to point to. 
I want to point something out to you about the narrative machine and the power of the narrative machine right now to try to tear the country apart. Remember, the narrative machine that I talk so frequently about is big tech and big media working together with big government to take a truth, well, take a a version of the truth, a narrative, and force it upon you so that the American people believe it's the truth, the truth. The best example is when they talk about the big lie. The big lie is whether 2020 was a free and fair election. They want to say the big lie is anybody that doubts the election. And they pounded that message. The big lie, another, another big lie is the January 6th. They want January 6th to be like 9-11. It's insanity. But they're pounding the message. Big media, big tech, and big government. Well, the newest one is that the unvaccinated are rubes in red states. They're rednecks who are unsophisticated Trump voters. And here's the problem. Well, let me set it up. So over at Politico, they did a cover story, Politico.com, of Wyoming. And the reporter went out, and I'm going to try to get Dr. Brett Decker, our friend who's on so frequently, who was himself was a Wall Street Journal uh, journalist that worked at the Washington Times and is an author and now teaches at, uh, in uh, a college in Ohio. And Dr. Decker is my best, uh, is my best insight on, on uh, journalism knowledge of, of the front lines of it. He was a reporter. Then he was an editor. Um, he's now on the editorial board in some fashion at USA Today. But it feels to me like the political article uh, article about Wyoming and the reporter just lied about the quotes. It's one of these anonymous quotes Mike said about his mama says he should get vaccinated. It turns out mama is his wife. And, and it's, it's like a stereotype of an Eastern elite liberal writing about Wyoming. Like it, it was it's almost like a, like a satire piece in the New Yorker, New Yorker magazine. Like every cliche is employed about the Wyoming and in the middle of nowhere. And uh, even the guy that refers to mama's always right about his wife and how, and it sounds in the ear of an Eastern liberal elite. It sounds like, oh, it's so anachronistic. It's so old fashioned or it's so out of touch or it's so mean, so nasty. So un me too. I think he lied. I think the reporter lied. I think it's a total made up lie. And here's the reality of the lengthy piece in Politico, which was then put all over social media. It'll probably be covered on uh, Morning Mika with Joe Scarborough. It'll be and, and, they, and they made all this talk about how they're going to look into it. The government's going to look into the allegations that things aren't happening. It's these unvaccinated, the pandemic of the unvaccinated, blah, blah, blah. Here's the problem. If it was a halfway honest story, it would have actually covered the places across America where there are high percentage of unvaccinated. That's a fair story to write. I'm not against that story. But you know where the high percentage of unvaccinated are in every place, every state, every region, in every city, in every ethnic community, especially high percentages in African-American communities. And you just had to look, you look at the NFL, you see prominent players in the NFL. In fact, the quarterback for the, um, for the Baltimore Ravens, uh, he, he actually was quoted, they were asked him directly, what are you going to do? What are you thinking about doing? He said, well, I, I'm not, I'm not talking about it. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you. I'm, I'm going to talk to my, uh, I'm going to talk to my, um, doctors about it and see. And my point only here is, and any honest story about the issue of the unvaccinated would cover the problem of the unvaccinated. That's, if you want to call it a problem, if you want to say, yeah, Lamar, Lamar Jackson, 
Lamar Jackson, the famously successful quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, said he's not going to, he's not sure what he's going to do, which means he's not doing it. And again, my point here is that you have people, you have people lying about what's going on and nobody stops them. Politico writes it. Big tech fosters it. It's covered by the media. Government says the big government says they're going to go in and see what's wrong in Wyoming. See if there's been misspending of covid money since there's such a problem amongst the rednecks. And if you have a half the experience that I do, you see it as fraudulent beyond belief. So the lies are being told in one direction against and about. And let me say again, over and over again. I think Trump spent the last six months probably to his detriment having to focus on COVID, right? The last six months of his, at least the campaign, was about COVID and he was making decisions and trusting people. And a lot of us say, wow, why'd you trust Fauci? Why'd you trust Burks? Why'd you trust whoever? But he was trying to do it. One of the things he was racing to do was uh, Operation Warp Speed to get a vaccine. Trump was pro-vaccine. So why are you blaming Trump voters In fact, it was Kamala Harris and Joe Biden who said they'd never get a vaccine because they didn't trust it. Now, suddenly the vaccine that Biden, that Trump got, Biden trusts. But my point here is the power of the narrative machine to take the message that the media wants. And it's so base and pathetic to say that it's so, uh, you know, these people, these rednecks in Wyoming. It's crazy. It's crazy that they're doing it. And more importantly, it's crazy that they're getting away with it. It's insane that we're dealing with a culture. I did an interview with someone. They said, is America a superpower? I said, yeah, we're a superpower. Superpower militarily, nukes. Superpower economy. Our our economy is the best in the world. But we're losing ground in a couple of areas, corruption in government, and especially in the power of the media as liars. It's growing. It's shameless. It's ter- it, 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 it's, it's, it threatens to tear the republic apart. All right, we got to take a break, everybody. Be right back. It's Ed Martin. Go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Tune in there, get all these interviews and everything else, and sign up for the daily email. Be right back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Our next guest is Josh Malone. He's been on the program in the past. It's been a while, though. He is, uh, well, he's famous for a lot of things. In uh, my household, he's famous as being the inventor of the bunch of balloons, and especially in uh, the last couple of weeks where it's been about 1,000 degrees outside, the water balloon is uh, like a... Uh, essential service so he also is a volunteers with u.s investor uh he and his family moved out towards the swamp to try to make sure that something he cared a lot about which was protecting inventors especially small inventors and their patent rights that that continued so welcome back josh how are you hey i'm doing all right still still uh treading water in the swamp yeah exactly so josh first of all when it's a hot season wherever it is do you get people, can they get to you to send a message like that you're the bunch of balloons guy? You know, I don't think when you sell the product, it's, uh, I don't know if it's got your name on it, but do you get somehow, does people email and say, my gosh, this is the most fun? Or, I guess you probably get, uh, we should say you, you, uh, they tried to impinge on your patent for a number of years. You finally won that. So you probably are at least free and clear a little bit, but I mean, they used to try to, so you probably get a nice big check from it too. That makes you feel good. But do you hear from many families that say, man, I had a great time? Well, I get some of the messages. The business is now run entirely by my exclusive licensee, a family-owned company called Zuru. And so they've they've taken that load off. And so if you buy a bunch of balloons, contact a bunch of balloons, have a complaint about a bunch of balloons, you need to talk to Zuru. 
Um, but yeah, I get some oh, I of those, see, I, see. I get to see some of those those posts and so forth. That's cool. All right, so Josh, tell us about uh, what you're up to, U.S. Investor, and uh, what's happening right now on the patent front, and why it's so important. A lot of our listeners, you know, the show originates in San Diego, and Qualcomm, uh, it, the corporation, has some amazing number of patents. So some people are familiar with patents and the system, but give us a little thumbnail too before you tell us what's happening uh, in 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 the industry. You bet. Yeah, I'm I'm a volunteer, and I'm the policy director with U.S. Inventor. And we are giving inventors a voice. And, you know, we thought that I thought that patents were kind of as American as you could get. And if you came up with something new and no one thought of it before and you applied for and, and, and passed the rigorous examination, and the, the patent office gave you a patent. I thought, well, that's that's how the system works. I and mean, that's how the Wright brothers did it. That's how Edison did it. And uh, what I didn't know is. That was about that was good for about 200 years, and then uh, uh, some big technology companies came to Congress and decided that wasn't in their best interest, and so they hijacked our patent system. And so, U.S. Inventor, it was here for me when I needed help, and now I've joined. I'm giving back um, to give inventors a voice because patents are political now. They're not uh, they're not the stable rights that we had in the beginning. Well, and, ta- and we're talking with Josh Malone, again, the inventor of a bunch of balloons and, and that, that story. And, and by the way, I should encourage you, there's been a number of documentaries and kind of uh, uh, kind of um, depictions of what happened. You probably need to do that again or write a book about it because the, the history of bunch of balloons and how you were impinged on your patent and then really got caught up in the system. It is extraordinary. But so where are we now? I think I can say, and I care about this issue too, the late Phyllis Schlafly did that, that did also and, and taught me about it, that the, the Trump years were pretty good years. You had a director of the patent office that was interested in sort of protecting patents, uh, Director Yanku, who's now out of office. Now Biden's got people in. It looks like more big tech influence. But when you say it's become political, uh, patents are political instead of uh, a stable right, what does that mean? And, and practically, what does that mean is happening? Right. So today, if you have a patent and someone steals your invention, these large corporations don't care because they've learned that they've, they've created all these barriers to where you have to go to court and these cases now last 10 or 15 years. We actually, you wouldn't believe it, but we had to raise $20 million um, just for the legal fees in order to bring these guys through the justice system. And, you know, we had 30 different attorneys. We had these, I mean, mountains and mountains of papers filing and, They've just made it so, I mean, it's really impossible for a small business. Uh, my case is very special. If you watch the documentary, uh, Invalidated, it goes through just the absolute insanity, and we were able to hang on. And um, They've just made it to where the little guy, uh, the deck is stacked against us. And so in, in our case, the big change was in 2011, the America Invents Act. Um, that's when big tech primarily – a large, lot of large other corporations lobbied to change the laws, and they created a division inside the patent office that can invalidate your patent. So the patent office is supposed to protect you, but in the last nine years, they've uh, switched over to protecting large vested interests. And so if you don't like a patent, you want to steal the technology, 
Um, and you're a large corporation, you go to the patent office um, and ask them to revoke the patent. And that's what they did in my case. And it was just a complete fiasco. They were actually, I would have the jury in a federal court uh, rule in my favor. Uh, the judge said their arguments were, were bogus. And they were able to go overturn all that at the patent office, and they took my patent back. And so we're going to vote on the 10-year anniversary uh, of America Invents Act. And, uh, yeah, US please tell us that. That's what I want. I want to ask you about that. Yeah. 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 Next. No, that's what I want to ask you. Keep going. I wanted you to keep yeah. going on that. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So U.S. Inventor is now uh, the group I'm working with, and we're coming up on the 10-year anniversary of the America Invents Act. And that's the, the act that basically sold out our patent system to these big corporate interests. And so we're organizing, educating, lob we're actually lobbying now. That's what I do in D.C. I, I uh, reach out to senators and congressmen and staffers and government officials and try to explain to them what it's like to be an entrepreneur. Um, and it's new. They haven't heard this before. All they've heard is these huge corporations, what they need. Um, and so that's this is kind of the first time we've had a voice for the little guy here. In you know, we're talking, again, we're talking with Josh Malone, and you might have heard, you know, my producer on the show is Noah Dingley, and he's had you on his show also, uh, Josh. Uh, he loves what you're doing, and he just is texting me while we're talking. But um, what, what people, um, it, it strikes me, Josh, and, and tell us about what's maybe possible or what could come in terms of protection, but it strikes me that we're at a point where so many aspects of the legal system have been small c corrupted, meaning they just don't work the way they were supposed to. They're, and meaning they're manipulated, sometimes manipulated by laws that are passed. Sometimes they're manipulated by prosecutors who, you know, uh, in my estimation, they persecute General Flynn and let the Antifa rioters walk, right? They, they persecute the January 6th uh, protesters and they let, you know, other criminals go. We've got a, a problem where the rule of law and in the case of patents, it's in the Constitution, the right of inventors uh, to, to control their, their property. Um, how, how sort of disheartened are you? You're, you're a science guy. You're an engineer, an inventor. Do you, do, you, do you get disheartened at the scope of what – and again, it's a small C corruption, sometimes big C. It's money chasing it completely, but it really just isn't working the way it's supposed to. Yeah, no, I, I remember when uh, Phyllis Schlafly would talk about the challenges to our patent system, and I, I just didn't think, I thought she was overreacting, and I thought, you know, those are unusual circumstances. Normally, the laws are applied equally, and if you do your part, you're going to normally uh, enjoy your rewards, and it shocked me. I mean, this is five years ago that I found out that the laws don't apply equally. In, and it's in, this is America. This is an Amer as American as it gets. And you hear stories about abuse in the criminal justice system and all these other, uh, you feel like they're anomalies, but what shocked me was this is, this is how it works now. Um, the rules don't apply equally, especially, especially if you're an inventor who's trying to disrupt one of these giant trillion dollar monopolies that control the world. Like, are you, do you think that, that they're going to stop because we have a patent? Um, they, own, they own the <laughs> patent office now. In fact, I'll tell you, it's gotten so controversial. There is no director of the patent office now because Biden can't find anyone who will pass Senate confirmation. The, the seat is vacant. 
<laughs> huh? Wow, that is uh, that's too bad. Yeah, it's too bad they didn't let uh, uh, director Yanku stay. Um, that's incredible. Um, hey, uh, um, uh, let me uh, finish uh, and and say this. I've got to run out of time. Usinventor.org is where you can go and learn more and also sign up, sign the resolution to uh, encourage co- Congress to pass legislation to address these issues. Josh, as always, it's always great to talk to you. I'm sorry the time goes so fast. Again, usinventor.org. Go and check that out. And uh, I appreciate it, Josh. Thank you. Thanks, Ed. All right, we'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Time to check in with the smartest man I know who understands California politics. That's Woody Woodrum. Woody Woodrum is the founder of the California Screaming Eagles, an activist organization that's turning California golden. He's been doing it for years and years and years. One of the key uh, Trump backers in 2015 and 16 and led a a uh, group of people who made phone calls across the country in keys into key states hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people doing that in 2016 again in 2020 and uh, as we why i got him on the phone because i need to know about the california recall his sense he's also serves on the republican party at the uh, party level the state party in various capacities and has for a number of years so welcome back woody and tell me first of all will newsom be recalled the three Threshold question. What do you think? You know, that's that's interesting. Ed, if you'd asked me that uh, four months ago, I would have said no, but it looks like he is definitely going to get recalled. The uh, the polls showing the people uh, across the board are frustrated. Uh, the Latinos uh, vote uh, is coming in and they are frustrated with him. Uh, the black vote is frustrated with him. Of course, the Republicans are frustrated with him. And a lot of the Democrats in the decline to state are frustrated because of the uh, situation in the state of California and all the shutdowns going on and his arrogant attitude. We're uh, we're talking to Woody Woodrum. Woody, um, you, you, four months ago, you were saying uh, Newsom would have been safe. Meaning, what? Uh, let me ask you this: What changed? I, I, is it his maskiness? He started doing the masking things. Is it that California's burning? Is it that uh, you know his um, you know uh, the, the challenges of the economy, homelessness across every city? Uh, is it cumulative? As I listed, it sounds like it's uh, cumulative. But wh- is there one? You know, is there one thing you point out and say, ah, uh, that's where people got tired? Well, I tell you what, Ed, you're, you're exactly right. It's a combination of different things, and this is a perfect storm. And we recently had uh, Larry Elder, who you, you're friends with. Uh, Larry Elder recently yeah. entered the race. And as you know, a recall race like this, uh, California being one of only 19 states that allows recall of their elected officials, but a recall like this is a, is a vote of popularity. And when Larry Elder put his name in the uh, in, in the ring to run for governor, uh, all of a sudden, all of the polls shifted. And it looks like that the people are going to be, you know, voting overwhelmingly for Larry Elder is my is is my opinion on this. And I think that uh, that the whole thing has come about because of the arrogant attitude that Newsom's had and all these different shutdowns. You know, they, they the kids, the kids are not in school. Parents are frustrated about that. People have lost jobs and businesses. There are a lot of people that are frustrated about that and and the economy is just horrible and we've got a water uh, water situation that's coming up which you know california does not have a water shortage problem we have a water distribution problem that the governor and the state doesn't do anything about so i think it's just a combination of things plus and you mentioned it the wildfires that are coming up 
Uh, we're talking to Woody Woodrum. Woody, it is interesting about that. Let me let me ask you about Larry Elder. He, as you point out, he's a friend of mine for many years. Uh, I love his book on his father and his relationship. I think he's an extraordinary communicator. He's more libertarian than I am. I'm more conservative than he is, but that's he's also it's California. But Woody, he he said something on the on a TV show. I heard him explain it. An interview he said about Trump. He said, you know, Biden won the election fair and square and we're not looking back. And some of the Trump people decided to make hay over it and complain. You know, I guess you're not endorsing somebody in the recall, uh, but I know you're also friendly and supportive of uh, Larry Elder. How'd you take that? Uh, for my part, I took it as if you're a candidate for office, you, you can't, it doesn't do no good to be dwelling on that. I didn't take it as sort of, uh, uh, any indication of anything, but it, 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 I hate to, I hate to see people sniping on the same side. What were your thoughts? Well, I agree with you. You know, this is one of the things. The the, the object of this, it's a two. The vote is actually two parts. Number one is the most important part is yes and the recall. The Californians have to come to the polls and they have to vote yes and the recall, which will bring up the second question of who do we who do we vote for? And right now, there's 46 candidates. Uh, you've got uh, you've got uh, uh, 24 Republicans, 10 no party preference, nine that are Democrats, two that are green from the Green Party, and one that's a Libertarian Party. So you've got a whole gamut of people that are running. Uh, to to go out there and snipe at these type of things, I think it's a matter of getting out there and voting for somebody. And I believe that there's more people that are going to be voting for Larry Elder than they're not voting for him. And you're right. I'm not endorsing anybody in this race. Uh, I, you know, uh, that was one of the things that I think that the Republican Party finally came to their senses uh, last week. And they 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 had a vote uh, of no endorsement, which what that means is, is that now the Democrats do not have one person to go after and spend all their money on. There's, uh, there's, there's several candidates that, uh, that come to mind. You've got uh, John Cox, who ran, uh, once before. You've got Kevin Faulkner, who's the mayor of San Diego. You've got Doug Osi, who's a retired senator. You've got, uh, uh, Kevin Kiley, who's a state assemblyman up in Northern California. All five of those are, are viable candidates. And so now then, that the Republican Party did not endorse, and they're actually letting the people make that decision, which is what I think that it should be, in my opinion, uh, that the Democrats have to go after each and every one of these candidates. Uh, we're talking again with Woody Woodrum and Woody, as, as anyone I know who believed in what Donald Trump was doing, I should have pointed out Woody Woodrum, uh, founder of the California Screaming Eagles, also a veteran that informs a lot of what you do in terms of your service and that you served in the Navy and also as a retired uh, Navy man, you know, serving others. Uh, you were a Trump believer in his in his foreign policy in his uh, way of uh, uh, attacking the questions of the border and just in general kind of taking it to the swamp. So I know you were disappointed uh, six months, eight months afterwards. You know, obviously, you're we're all terrified of the Biden direction. But how are you feeling about going forward and about President Trump? Uh, you listen, I'm I'm probably one of his biggest supporters. I believe that uh, he has done more for this country than any other president in modern time history, and and maybe more for this country than any other president ever uh, that's ever been elected. Time will tell on that. But uh, I think that Trump has done some wonderful things. I think that he's making some plans going forward in 2024. Uh, and if there's uh, not another opportunity to be in his team, I'm one of the first ones that's going to be there. I think that he is uh, he is definitely the man for the job. And the other the thing is that's coming up in this election, and this is kind of interesting, if we get a Republican governor uh, on this recall, that's going to make a huge change in the state of California. 
Uh, right now, the state of California, we've got about 174 elected officials at the federal and state level. And there's only like uh, 38 or 39, I don't know the exact number, but it's under 40 of them uh, that are Republicans. And of those Republicans, there's several of those that are the never Trumpers. So we've got a real opportunity here, not only to elect a Republican governor in the state of California, but also to get uh, to, to change this supermajority from the Democrats and get some of these uh, state assembly seats and state senate seats and some of the congressional seats and get them back on the uh, left, you know, get them off of left to center and back to the center. Uh, we're talking again, Woody Woodrum, California Screaming Eagles. Uh, Woody, one of the people that you have uh, talked to me about and uh, in the California uh, government and in, in, in making a difference is uh, Shannon Grove, uh, Senator Shannon Grove, who I believe is the uh, minority leader in the state Senate. How are... How- I mean, how are people feeling? I mean, I guess there's no legislative uh, um, there's no legislative races at the recall time. It's a it's a year from now. But is there much uh, optimism in the California uh, Assembly state uh, state assembly as well as in the uh, state Senate? Well, I haven't talked to Shannon, and you're right. She is the uh, minority leader, our Senate minority leader, and she does a great job. She is uh, very, very conservative. Uh, she is very pro-life. She's, uh, uh, you know, she she punches her ticket the right way 99% of the time. Uh, I haven't had a chance to talk with her since uh, this last thing about no endorsement. I know that she, uh, she was one of the, we had an overwhelming vote. 90% of the people of the delegates that attended the meeting uh, voted for no endorsement. And uh, I think that Shannon and the rest of the Republican Party, uh, the teams and the legislators are looking forward to this because, as I said, if we get a Republican governor in the uh, in in, as, uh, in the state of California, this is going to give a huge, um, you know, huge mouthpiece and a, and a bully pulpit for the midterm elections that are coming up. And I think that I think that there's nothing but joy in the uh, uh, in the Republican <laughs> Assembly and the Republican Senate right now. Well, and one more thing, uh, redistricting. Uh, what, what am I remember? California is losing a seat. Is that right? So is there some sense that they'll be when they draw the maps, they're going to try to pit a couple of Republicans against each other in the U.S. House? Well, I don't know. Uh, my opinion is I think that they will. You're correct. We're losing one seat. We're going to go from 53 congressional seats down to 52. And it would make sense if they could push that, that instead of the, you know, that they would put uh, two Republicans against one another. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a couple of a couple of areas, and I don't want to mention any one specifically right now, but there's a couple of areas where if they could do that, that would take a huge hit in the uh, in the House because you've got a couple of good Republicans in there uh, that right. they would put against one another and, instead of, you know, instead of being, you know, fair about it. And if you look at the uh, at the redistricting in California, it looks like a drunken snake has drawn most of these uh, <laughs> lines around California. <laughs> Well, you also and I, and I, I got to wrap it up, but you also might get a few more seats if things go like they went uh, in 2020. Maybe you get a few more seats that are uh, that are closer. All right. I got to run the Woody Woodrum, uh, California Screaming Eagles. As always, thank you for the perspective. We'll be watching closely and uh, voting opens in just a few days, at least the early voting and the mail in voting for the September 14th recall. Thank you, Woody. We got to take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. A daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Unless you've had your head in the sand politically, you've probably heard about H.R. 1. Democrats named it the For the People Act, which is the surest way to tell that it's not for the people at all. It is the leftist's roadmap to a complete takeover of the electoral system 
And for this reason, every conservative should pay attention so we can better identify their game plan. H.R. 1 sought to override laws in every state and override the laws that protect election integrity. Strict limits on voting by mail and early voting, which were enforced in many states before being suspended during COVID, these are necessary to prevent ballots from being cast by political operatives in the name of inactive voters. H.R. 1 sought to expand on the unprecedented rule-breaking that occurred in the last presidential election by broadening unverified voting by lifting sensible limits on voter registration, and by limiting the ability of states to clean up their voter rolls. The bill even violated the Constitution by attempting to place a new qualification for candidates for president. Specifically, the bill sought to require presidential candidates to disclose their tax returns. Senator Tom Cotton, Republican of Arkansas, complained that H.R. 1 and its companion in the Senate would create, quote, public financing for campaigns that would send hundreds of millions of your taxpayer dollars to politicians to run negative ads against their opponents. I don't think many American people are clamoring for the Democrats in Washington to pass that law, end quote. Senator Cotton is right. At the heart of the matter is the contempt congressional Democrats have for the good state election laws passed this year in Republican legislatures, including Georgia and Florida. These state legislatures had good success passing election integrity bills because officials on the state level are far more accountable to their constituencies than the swamp creatures in Washington. By trying to overrule the actions of true public servants, the For the People Act exposed itself as a fraud. It was never there to be for the people. It was a leftist wish list disguised to fool the people. Americans demand election integrity. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. You'll be glad to know the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly continues. Upheld by Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, chairman Helen Marie Taylor, treasurer John Schlafly, a full staff in St. Louis in our nation's capital, and thousands of citizen volunteers, her eagles, across the country. You can be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. And uh, good, great interviews again. Thank you. Please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and sign up for the daily emails we've got over there. Excuse me, over there. The sign-up sheet is for a daily email. Uh, if you go there, just put your email address in. You get a daily email every morning, 8 a.m. East Coast time, 5 a.m. West Coast time. goes right into your email box, and you can check it out. It's, uh, it is um, uh, a few of the links to good stories that I believe in, a few of our own uh, segments from the show and also over at proamericareport.com proamericareport.com you can um check in uh on all these great interviews and listen to them again and pass them on to other people all right let me go back for one second uh pick up I, I got a text from somebody in between that first segment and now about the dominion lawsuit it's true dominion has now sued sydney powell uh rudy giuliani one america news newsmax patrick byrne and the question i have to ask at this point is what are these cases? Are they going to, I know one of the cases filed by Dominion in the last uh, 24 hours, uh, was filed in Delaware. I think it was for One America News or Newsmax. The others are all filed in DC. They should be consolidated into one case. 
And it should become a big monster case that we can see what the heck is happening. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not sure yet where that where that is in terms of procedurally, but we should find that out. Someone texted me and said, will there be a trial? Well, there could be a trial, but it would be a year, two years away. One of the realities in my mind of these lawsuits is whether the lawyers looked at it and found enough of a cause that it's not a frivolous suit, which I suspect they did. Then you, what you're really doing is helping to, you're, you're trying to silence criticism, right? Because remember, in, in a year from now, right about a year from now, uh, maybe even 10 months from now, there'll be lots and lots of primary elections and a general election and the Dominion and others will have software and, and hardware that are in these systems that are going to be used. And if they're not used, it's a loss of millions of dollars. And so, you know, they, they've got to get their act together if they're going to business model or they're going to be done. So the, the, I don't know if there'll be a D.C. Uh, district court uh, trial or not, but we'll see. We'll see. That is one of the things that could happen and one of the things that is likely to uh, occur. Uh, one other text I got from somebody. What did I think of uh, the attorney general of uh, New York? I think she is um, I think she is, uh, you know, did her job, which is she has said she would be a lefty, a leftist and uh, and someone who is, um, you know, going to go after all the things like go after Trump and his family and go after the Me Too thing, all that kind of stuff. She's done that. Now, I, I do think she runs for governor. I think she becomes the darling of the left and runs for governor. It doesn't matter that the woman who took over as governor is uh, in place uh, now as governor. Uh, her name is Hochul, I think. I don't know if pronounce it like that. She'll be pushed outside. She's a career insider, a career uh, kind of uh, politician. She'll be pushed out uh, as quick as you can say, uh, you know, a uh, governor, Letitia James. So you're going to see that move happen. Uh, one more tweet and uh, excuse me, one more direct message on Twitter. Uh, I did get a request back to to um, to uh, describe what was said. I haven't heard. Any more details about the possibility of the FDA chairmanship, the head of the FDA, Federal Drug Administration, uh, 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 administration, the big, a bit, the big, um, regulatory agent, agency. The White House was floating Zeke Emanuel, Zeke Emanuel as the head of the FDA. Zeke Emanuel is a bioethicist at, uh, I think, the University of Pennsylvania. I think that's where he is. He's a left wing. One of the architects of Obamacare. More troubling, he's written repeatedly about his desire that we have uh, uh, end of life come uh, by suicide. In fact, he said he doesn't want to live past 75. He thinks it'll be too taxing and too difficult. So he doesn't want to live past 75. Uh, that's his position. And he thinks other people shouldn't either. Well, he was part of the Obamacare. Uh, he was an architect, they call it. One of the people that helped plan it. And that included, of course, those those special boards called suicide panels by Sarah Palin so famously, but boards that would help decide who could still get care, who would be eligible for care under the system, and, and what values would come into play there were Zeke Emanuel's and others who were on the special boards. Well, he's been floated as the head of the FDA. That Remember, the FDA is the entity that will approve what? COVID drugs, vaccinations, therapeutics, and remember what we, I heard uh, John Schlafly say, and he's got a column about this this week, that one of the things that happens when the FDA approves a drug, it will be more likely, much more likely, in fact, it's sort of a requirement that you, the, the, if you get FDA approval, then you can do a mandate because FDA approval, there's no objecting, right? There's, if, until the FDA approves a vaccine and the, the, um, what do they call it? Emergency approval was really sort of conditional approval, right? 
Now, when they do a full approval, you what are you going to how are you going to object to it? Why are you allowed to object to it? And John Schlafly's point is that's what's coming next. You get FDA approval for these drugs, you're going to get mandatory requirements, mandates, because you can make the argument that you have to do it. It's, it's, there's no there's no um, there's no reasonable uh, objection because it's been tested by the FDA. That's the idea. By the way, the FDA is dominated by pharma, it's dominated by special interests, but can you imagine if it's dominated by uh, Zeke Emanuel and his values? So when one of you texted me, is that still ongoing? I haven't heard it was withdrawn. I have not heard it was withdrawn. So I don't know if the, the Biden administration, they floated it. A lot of times on a controversial appointment, you get someone that is floated by the media, excuse me, by the White House or by a senator or somebody to see what the response is. And then they go off the, they go off the reaction. They go off the response. So I'm not sure if, uh, if he's been withdrawn, but it, it doesn't matter. Cause if that's who they're talking about out loud, that's the kind of values they're bringing to bear. It should worry you a lot. Should worry you a lot. All right. We've got to go, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Again, visit uh, ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and uh, tune in all these great interviews as well as uh, sign up for the daily email. Thank you, as always, to our great producer, Noah Dingley. Sometimes he's a star on his segment called Noah Says. I haven't had one in a while. I'll have to do another one soon. And also thank you to Joanna for helping book so many guests. We've got some good ones coming on. Billy Long, the congressman from Missouri, uh, earliest backer of Donald Trump. He's moving on up. He's going to run for the Senate. We'll talk to him later this week and a lot more. All right, everybody. Have a great have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you next. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego.